0: The Fade Cafe. I suspect you have tea questions. The Fade Cafe.
1: Welcome to the very first episode of The Fade Cafe. I'm Cafe 3G. I've got my coffee going, and I'm joined here by my good friend, Unifade Walker. Eddie, how are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you? I'm, I'm doing so fantastic. to be
0: here. I know, I know.
1: So what this podcast is, is it's going to be kind of uh, uh, the two of us talking about our nerdy interests. And while we do have a very big shared interest, which is... Bioware and all of the Bioware games. Uh, we're we're not always going to be talking about Bioware. Sometimes we're going to be talking about some industry stuff. We'll talk about culture things. We'll talk about all kinds of stuff. And also, Eddie and I are also both queer, so we will be delving into some queer topics as well in podcasts in the future. However, today I wanted to talk about something that's um uh, uh that's on both of our minds has been on both of our minds for a while, and that is uh. The fact that Dragon Age Dreadwolf now has, um, we know that it's in the alpha phase.
0: So I know that we've got a full game. The alpha stage is like a full game that you can kind of like. I don't know if they have like alpha testers, but it's, it's, it's essentially a solid game that we have. So it's in the works, but I saw an awful lot of people saying that they announced it too early. Like um, it was uh, years ago when we first got the first announcement, and now um, we're here, and we're all we all we're kind of getting like people people are a little um disheartened that all we're getting is just basically the same information, but in different cutscenes again and again and again and again, and 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 people were just wondering if maybe they had released it or announced
1: it too early. Yeah, and not only that, but, yeah. like, uh, we can only have so many trailers that's, you know, uh, Varric talking about Solus. <laughs> and, like, we know, this is the thing, is that we know Solus is going to be a big part of Dreadwolf. Obviously, it's hmm. in the name. But hmm. beyond that, like, I I have theories about, like, how involved he's going to be in in the overall game. But we can get to that in a little bit. But, yeah, I do, too. But, yeah, the game is kind of in a, uh, it's in a state where it is fully completable, but it might not be as polished as a uh as as something that will eventually ship in the future
0: yeah so it goes from alpha um i don't know if there are any stages in between alpha and beta but then like what you, you definitely get like you hear about the beta testers and all of that, the people that, that will play the game and look for the bugs and the and, and, and things that need to the things that don't work in the game so that they can iron it out even further before they release the game. There might even be like a couple of um pre release tests as well. I'm not entirely sure how Bioware do it. But that's the that's my basic understanding of the development stages of, of, of the game. So we're getting closer, mm-hmm. but there's no telling how long they need between like alpha, mid and, and beta. and and all of that stuff. So it could be another another couple of years yet. And I don't think we got any um, info at the recent Game Awards and I don't think we'll be getting any more information for a while. I think Absolution is to tide us over until we get any more information about the game. Do you know if Absolution has any more series planned, or is it just the one series with six episodes?
1: Right now, it's just the one series with six episodes. Um, And where it ended, it kind of left it a little open that it could continue it in the future. I kind of got the idea based on what John Epler was saying on twitter that if it doesn't perform well on netflix they probably won't be getting a second season um, that's just um for every netflix show yeah, yeah yeah it's true and sometimes even when it's relatively popular they'll just be like ah season three that's the end of it because it's netflix yep. and that's just kind of how they do yep. especially if it's queer um <laughs> tell me about it <laughs> uh, i know i know i know we're all still really fighting the good fight we're, we're all still reeling from Sense eight years ago <laughs> um, but we do know a couple of things about Dreadwolf. We know that it is, uh, it is going to be set in primarily Tevinter. Um, mm-hmm. we know that like Minrathis is going to be a central focal point. Um, and we also mm-hmm. know kind of now, this is a bit of foreshadowing. We know now that a, uh, a place that we've been to before is going to also play a pretty big role in um in dread wolf as well at least yes. based on my my theory and probably your theory as well <laughs> yes yes um there was a uh there was a fun pc gamer um article about the companions of uh of bioware we all you know you and i are, are big fans of all of the companions. big fans dorian is my love for always my-
0: how do I make Dorian just my entire
1: gender and personality? <laughs> Dorian, Dorian is everything. Yes. Everything. <laughs> the companions are really what everybody is super excited about. Like, obviously, we're, we're really hoping for Mayveris um, to be a mm-hmm. part of the game, even if she's not a part of the main party. I would love for her to be a part of the main party because she could bring in an amazing new perspective that we haven't seen in a main party character in a Bioware game, Um also an amazing and powerful mage into Venter, so that would be wonderful mm. to have her there. Dorian. Especially in the current climate right now,
0: with um, yes. trans women being under so much attack, to have a powerful and influential trans woman
1: in a game that we all adore would just be fantastic. And seeing her play off of like, even, and I know that Dorian is going to be an NPC, I'm preparing myself for that. Um, but like having, if you had her in in your party and she's playing off of Dorian, it would be so much fun to watch them banter because she's amazing in the comics. And just to have that, that,
0: that, um, like old friend dynamic between two queer characters would, would be fantastic. I I definitely think that I I agree. Um, I think Dorian is going to be your major contact in Vinter just because that makes sense. So I reckon that he's going to play just, um, speculation. I suspect he might be playing a similar role to what Cullen and Cassandra, uh, not Cassandra, Cullen and Liliana did in Inquisition where they're like the advisors and you go to them to like um, further the quests or to like uh, get reconnaissance or or something like that or to help you get around to Vinter. Maybe he knows all the back alleys and all, maybe he, because he's like an archon now, isn't he? So maybe he could yeah. just like... W- wink and uh, twiddle these uh, fantastic mustache and be like, "These guys, they're with
1: me." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd That's be one. so good. We know that, like a couple of the other companions. It looks like we're gonna have a Kunari, um, mm-hmm. a uh, and 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 there was one that looks like uh, uh, they're uh, an undead style character, I believe, uh, mm-hmm. or or potentially a necromancer of a sort. It could be a
0: similar um, situation to remember justice. In the Awakening DLC, yes, yes, it was a spirit that inhabited a corpse. Um, it could be something like that. We are into Vinta, like you say, with necromancy. So it could be a case of literally an animated corpse, or it could be a spirit of something, um, inhabiting a corpse and with these with their own personality and individual goals. For all we know, so I'm excited
1: to find out. <laughs> yeah, I know, and it's somebody. Somebody actually made the uh, the case for a uh, a dark spawn companion.
0: That would be cool. That would be interesting. Imagine the if whole it's, thing.
1: I was yeah. going to say, imagine right. if it's the architect. I was going to say, he never came back. He never Big did. hot daddy architect. <laughs> just like, come on, bring
0: him back. We- <laughs>
1: Just so we can smooch him. Look, we got to give the monster fuckers something to enjoy here. We
0: thank you. <laughs> Bring back his melty face. Yes, <laughs> I wish to gaze upon it.
1: <laughs> With his little, he's got the little lip ring or the the, the cheek ring that he's got. It's just so hot, yeah, yeah, yeah. y'all. We we know what we want. <laughs>
0: I'm we're 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 calling for action right now. <laughs> Bring back the
1: hot undead guy. <laughs> there's a lot of questions that were left open from Awakening too. That uh, so when I was first playing Awakening, I thought the first was going to be one of our companions because there's that whole scene, you know, when you go into um, the uh, the fade for the first time in Awakening. Where, like, you get pulled in and you're talking to the first, and he's talking about how the mother is, is, is abandoned him and this and that, and he's, ah, he doesn't know what to do with his life anymore. And you kind of try to convince him to come along with you. And Mm. I I thought that there was a possibility that you could convince him to do so, but nah, it just ended up being justice. And that's fine. I love having justice in the team because he was a unique. Interesting perspective from uh, from a character. Wonderful perspective, yeah. Which we saw fleshed out a lot more in Dragon Age Inquisition with Cole being a um yes. a, a spirit inhabiting a um uh, a human body, which was awesome. Yeah, Cole
0: wasn't inhabiting a human body. That's the difference between Cole and Justice. Is that Justice was uh, possessing a body, Cole wasn't. Cole was a spirit that made himself into a body. So. Um, that's really interesting. I wonder if that's going to play into something at some point, whether spirits can just manifest themselves into flesh and
1: flesh and blood. Thank you for the correction. And also, um, that actually makes a lot of sense for, um, because we're starting to see some of the pieces of the veil break down towards the end of Inquisition we saw. That um, you know, we know that Solus is, is in the process of trying to destroy the Veils, so we know that the spirits are going to be bleeding more into um, uh, into Thetis as uh, as yeah. probably as the game progresses. So,
0: but as you said, we are going to the heart of necromancy. Not only that, but isn't Taventa touching Navarra, which is where the isn't that where the necropolis is as well?
1: Yes, yes, um, it is.
0: So there's all. It's just all undead. Corpses and death, all up in that part of Theris So it's it's incredibly likely that it's it's going to be. Um, well, to be honest, it could be any number of these avenues. It could be anything, which is which is really fun. I'm I'm looking forward to finding out about that. I'm nervous that that little undead guy is going to be my favorite character just because he <laughs> looks like an
1: absolute gremlin. <laughs> <laughs> Calling it now, it's gonna be it's gonna be everybody's favorite character. They're gonna be <laughs> everybody. Everybody that and the tall Kunari lady. Everybody loves a tall Kunari lady. hmm That's what everybody wants. We we saw from Absolution, everybody loves Quidian, so
0: <laughs> Everybody loves Quiddian. Yeah, I, I love Quidian. About. I was nervous about Quidian because um she is that trope that people always use. Where she is the quirky, funny one, and I was like, "Please don't make her just a joke. Please don't make her just a joke. Please don't make her just a joke." And I loved her. Isn't she? Isn't she? Um, Chloe's voice actor from Life is
1: Strange. Uh, Ashley Birch is Quidian. That's oh. uh, Tiny Tina.
0: Tiny Tina.
1: I don't know. Is it? Is it Chloe from Life is Strange? I I can't remember if if that was. Hold on, as we do furious googling here. <laughs> I shouldn't have pulled that out of my. No, no, that's okay. That's okay. Uh, Ashley Birch was Chloe. Yes. Yes, she was. Hey, Look at that. Yeah, because, um, <laughs> and wasn't, um,
0: Miriam was Ashley from Mass Effect.
1: Yes. Yep. That was great. I love, mm-hmm. I love seeing, um, uh, seeing Kimberly back in, uh, in a Bioware role mm. because I, so maybe, maybe potentially, and not to get too far off topic here, but I do have some appreciation for Ashley as a character from like the, mid to late 2000s. I get that she, a lot of the fandom doesn't really like Ashley because in, in Mass Effect 1 specifically, she's very, very anti-alien. Um, mm-hmm. But if you actually talk to her beyond and and you don't do the thing towards the end of Mass Effect 1 where you, you know, choose between who which party member continues on in your party, if you actually keep yeah. her in your party, you get some really interesting um, character development between her and Garrus where they actually start talking and she softens a lot by the end of the game i, I actually always
0: loved her in mass effect 3 i actually thought she was that like the development between mass effect 1 and mass effect 3 she was like a different character and i really enjoyed her presence in mass effect 3.
1: I need to finish Mass Effect 3. I'm so excited to do so. Sorry. I'm not gonna see anything else yet. I That's wasn't okay. sure. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> but I um, liked her in Mass Effect 3. So, uh, but uh Kimberly Brooks was amazing as Miriam in um in mm-hmm. Dragon Age Absolution. Uh only six episodes on Netflix right now, but um we got to see a lot of really interesting lore tidbits. Like number one, we get to see mm-hmm. Fairbanks again. Um mm-hmm. which was voiced on- by Matthew Mercer. So I was trying to find this on. Uh, there are so many characters in Absolution that are voiced by Matt Mercer. The whole time, uh, I know, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. The whole can, time, my partner and
1: I were like, we're sitting there, we're like, "Hi, Matt!" Oh, "Hi, Matt!" Oh, "Hi, Matt!" Yo. Like the whole time. <laughs>
0: I love him so much. She's yes. one of my favorites. She's so distinct as well. Mm-hmm. She's like, hey, Mercer. And there he is again. He's an NPC. I love him. <laughs>
1: I think the only other voice actor that's uh, that's like that unique and is in so many different roles, but you can always pick out their voice and everything is like Troy Baker. Like you always hear Troy Baker's voice in everything he does. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Or like I was uh, playing
0: The Witcher. Um, the guy that does Blackwall's voice. Yes, yes. It, like so often, I'm like, hey Blackwall, hey, it's Blackwall. Oh my god, it's Blackwall.
1: I don't know if you know this, but he's also in the Witcher TV show.
0: Is he? Yes.
1: He shows up he as a name? as a random character in the Witcher TV show. And it's like, as as soon as he opens his mouth, I paused the show and I went, Is that Blackwall? And I looked it up and I'm like, <laughs> that's him. Yep, that's the dude. It was awesome. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm gonna have to watch it again now and see if I can find them. <laughs> uh season two, if I remember right. But anyway, I'll find them. Um, <laughs> but going back to um back to, to Absolution. Um, so we get Fairbanks. Remember in Dragon Age Inquisition, he was in a couple of uh just like two or three quests when we were in the Emerald Graves. Um, mm-hmm. we find out in Inquisition that he has noble blood, and we turn mm-hmm. him into an agent for the Inquisition. And this appears mm-hmm. to be one of those quests that we were that the Inquisition is sending him on. Um unofficially sending him because the inquisition at the end of uh at the end of the game it primarily isn't in operation anymore uh, of the the i think there's like 6 options and 3 of them it's completely disbanded 3 of them it's still in operation and it sounds like, right. yeah. And it sounds like in Absolution, they're kind of cutting the middle of the road, where they're saying the Inquisition is unofficially still around, just mm-hmm. not like a presence anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we do kind of get the idea, especially from our conversation, or especially from what we hear from Hira, um, that uh, uh, that the Inquisition is still something. It's still a thing. Um, yeah, it's still undercover, if nothing else. Yeah. Um, so Hira and Fairbanks are tasked by uh, Cass and Leliana to go and f- steal a specific artifact, which is the Circulum Infinitus from Taventer. Um, the Circulum Infinitus is a blood magic relic artifact thing, and it appears to have some connection to um, uh, to the spirit world. It's able to pull spirits out of the Fade. Or somewhere further than the Fade? I don't know if that was particularly Mm. made clear, um, but it was able to pick and choose which spirits come out. That that, that Mm. was sort of established a little bit later on in the show. I love that Safira's name is literally half sapphic uh, Mm -hmm. because uh, seeing her and Miriam um, together, especially in the first episode, was so great. Yeah. Like and and this is so a lot of people were like, oh, Dragon Age Absolution is going to be so, you know, oh, oh, my gosh, it's, you know, it's woke nonsense. Look at look at they're putting queer characters in it. (laughs) But then it's like, have you ever played a Bioware game because... <laughs> yeah, and they've always been like this, all the way since Origins. There's just yeah. been bi-icons. Hello, Liliana. Hello,
0: Zevran. Shall we talk about the bi-icon that is the Antevan Crow Zevran? Let's go. I know, I know.
1: <laughs> our little our little twink elf that we love so much. Um, but, what a guy. How do we... I, I, I can't imagine playing a Bioware game and then thinking that it is anything other than a creation of people who are queer um Hmm. diverse people make diverse games so like
0: (laughs) absolutely it wasn't even just like um we had two bi characters and then there was the option for what was it like multi-relationship i'm quite sure like if you if you played it correctly and uh i can't remember if it was origins or dragon age 2 but you could i think it was dragon age 2 because i think it was isabella so like Isabella and Zevran and everyone could like. In fact, you could. I think you do it with Isabella in the first one as well. You could yes. have like multiple relationships. Very very queer inclusive. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So. Uh, in it was Dragon Age Origins when you first meet Isabella, and if you're in a relationship with Leliana or Zevran, I believe you have the option of also doing a one night stand with with Isabella. So.
0: Yeah, that's right. I did it with Zevran. Because they know each other, uh, like Zevran and and Isabella know each other, so they were just like, hey, let's all just go and uh, get to know
1: each other! (laughs) And then you see it again in Dragon Age 2, they meet up again, and it's just like, oh, that's so adorable! And then you see them go off (laughs) together, and I'm like... Oh my god look at them go it's great yes it's um perfect so it's always been a queer game
0: it's always been um that way inclusive they've gotten better over time obviously with their trans representation and we thank them for that they could have easily done nothing mm-hmm. but they listened to the fans and they reacted and they apologized for any of the trans representation that they did in the first two games and we were gifted with the the
1: the presence of Chromisius and and Veris. thank you. By the way, <laughs> you know, as we were saying, like they have queer people on staff. You know, Patrick Weeks is mm. non-binary, so of course they're That's going right. to um, they're going to in, you know include some trans representation in the game if they can. I'm mm. it just it makes me so excited for Dreadwolf just of of how much more they're going to do, and I know that the studio has gotten better too, about yes. uh, listening to fans and about including marginalized voices. So mm. yeah, I'm I'm oh my gosh, I don't think I've ever been this excited for a new game. Ever, and I realize um, that those expectations are high but <laughs>
0: <laughs> but <laughs> but it's so difficult to not be excited for a yeah. game that you've been waiting for and genuinely want because like it's, it's 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 so exciting to do the next installment in a game franchise It always has been I was there for the release of all of them I think obviously like maybe not origins because like I found origins late But then Dragon Age 2 came out and I got it. Dragon Age Inquisition came out and I got it. And I'm going to be there for Dreadwolf. And and honestly, I kind of want them to not rush it. I know that it's been a while since they've announced it. Like I say, people are complaining that they announced it too soon or that we're not getting it fast enough. But what I don't want is um, a repetition of Inquisition where it had to be rushed. Priorities were elsewhere. I don't know if it was EA that, that wanted to prioritize other games and they just kind of like... Didn't put enough uh, time into Inquisition, and we got a game that was like characters whose backstories were half developed, characters whose romance scenes didn't like um, happen or 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 weren't fully fleshed out. I think they had like a year to put Solus in there, like he wasn't originally a romance. I think he was just put in at the last minute, and I don't want that again. I want I want them to be able to do with what they want, do what they want with the game and get it to a level that they are happy with and that they are um, satisfied with and then put it out into the world. So um, I'm prepared to wait but I'm going to be excited during the wait. <laughs> I, and I'm right
1: there with you. Yeah. Uh, Bioware is a much different company than it was. You remember the um, the explosive piece about Anthem and also uh, uh, Mass Effect Andromeda that came out that Jason Schreier yes. w- wrote for, I believe it was um, talking about some of the terrible working conditions during Dragon Age Inquisition and um, mm-hmm. Anthem and Mass Effect Andromeda. And it's just... I'm glad that the company has, at least, I, 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 and I hope that they have moved on from the idea of Bioware Magic and the Mm. idea of, uh, Crunch Culture. And it sounds like they have, um. I think so. And it, I hope so. At least based on what a lot of the, the lead developers have kind of insinuated on Twitter. They've, you know, many of them have, have come out and said Crunch Culture is not okay, um so i'm hoping that that's still not the case i it is a highly anticipated game but as you said i hope that they're able to take their time if it means i have to wait another 2 years like i mean the fandom is going to be fine um yeah. because we've got these other these three other amazing games with millions of little lore tidbits to read through and and parse mm-hmm. so we can we can take our time and can be ready when the game is ready. One thing that I did want to touch on, one last little thing on uh on absolution. Um this is more mm-hmm. of like episode 2 and we can dive deeper into episode 2 and um and in in episode 3 and 4 and some of the other lore tidbits in future episodes. Um <clears throat> but one of the things that I did notice in episode 2 is that spirit of wisdom that um uh, that is brought up. My first thought was solace's uh personal quest in inquisition the spirit of wisdom Mm. is is somebody that he wanted to save from people who were trying to misuse it and i think that's the Mm. same spirit here's what i'll say about that because i named i named myself the fade walker because i am
0: fade and spirit daft so (laughs) what what i know is i remember solace saying that his friend has died and that that energy goes back to the Fade and will maybe be reborn again into another spirit but it won't be the same person. It's like a factory reset. So even though a new spirit of wisdom may be born from it, it won't be his friend, it won't be the same spirit. I also remember Solus saying that um, spirits of wisdom, when they get corrupt, they turn into pride demons which is why his friend turned into a pride demon in the game and why the spirit of memory, I believe it was, the, the wisdom spirit represented memory in the show and when it got corrupted, it turned into a pride demon and I swooned (laughs) because pride demons are my (laughs) favourite. Big same.
1: Big same.
0: However, I don't know if that is... The thing, though, is... The thing that really excited me is that the spirit of wisdom was portrayed with the same eyes that the pride demon has. And so is Solace's wolf. Mm -hmm. You know, the big... The big spirit, the wolf that follows him around, and if you look at Solace's mosaics around the, the around um, Skyhold, some of them have those eyes in in the fade. They're always looking. They're always watching. Um. So where, whether it might just be um a reference to spirits of wisdom, um, it could all link back to Solace because, like you say. He makes friends with spirits, and and one and Solus's whole shtick is that he's the smart one, mm-hmm. he's the wiz, he's the wise one, and that's what they wanted him to look like. That's why he's bald. They wanted to like depict a wise elder, so that's why he has no hair. It was like the best look that they had, and like he says, like Solus himself says, so easily are spirits of wisdom corrupted to pride, and Solus means pride. I was and gonna this say, this whole Sources dynamic literally
1: means pride. That's part of what makes that so like head exploding.
0: <laughs> and that's his whole character dynamic through the game. When people who people who don't like him or people who clash with him in the game are people who think that he's a stuck-up know-it-all. People that get along with him in the game are people who listen to what he has to say. Do you know what I mean? I, I, like I I was really interested in what he had to say about the fade. So he and I got on really well as characters. But then the second, if you look at how he interacts with the NPCs, the second that he opens his mouth to be wisdomous and someone's like, Solus, give us a break. That's when he goes into pride. That's when he gets all stuck up. That's mm-hmm. when he gets all solus And that's, it's a constant, constant display of wisdom versus pride. Yeah, so every single time that comes up, I automatically think about Solus, even if it's not directly related to Solus. I saw a wisdom spirit, it got corrupted to pride. I automatically just think of soulless.
1: The other thing, too, that's so fascinating about his character is how he lets his pride take over when it comes to talking about and dealing with the Dalish. He's not mm. a fan of their entire existence, which is fascinating to me because they don't have the culture that they have had to be rebuilt from um from nothing because they mm-hmm. they're they're like everything was destroyed for them um by uh, uh um,
0: thinking of the exalted
1: marches the exalted um, marches yeah 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 Over but it. but yeah no so so like i think about like how he sees them as a failure of what the elvish people could have been so he can't let himself, he can't bring himself to see them on their own level and to like accept them on their own level. And I wonder if that has a lot more to do with his his pridefulness of uh uh I, I don't know, that's I'm I'm sort of spitballing here, but that's I, I I was thinking about that after um after playing Inquisition, how rude he was to the Dalish and how rude he was to a lot of other elves. And I I him, wonder. He was upset
0: because when he came back from his slumber, when he woke up after a thousand years of Uthenora, he approached the Dalish and was like, um, by the way, um, see those uh, markings that are sacred to you on your face right now? They're not like, and he tried to, he tried to be like, see everything that you believe, all of your religion, all of your things that you're trying desperately to keep alive? Not really. And they all... Like, you imagine if somebody came to your front door and told you that everything you believed was wrong. You would call him crazy. You would call yeah. him stupid. You would call him a madman. So they attacked him and drove him off. And that offended him. That upset him. That hurt him. So now, not only does he resent them for that, because obviously Solus knows better, but he can't tell them why he knows better. Mm-hmm. So he just comes off as this arrogant... Guy that walks in and be like, I know something that you don't know, and everything you believe is wrong and terrible. So, of course, everyone's like, Get out of here. If you um, play a Dalish elf, right at the very beginning of the game, when you're getting up to the forward camp, um, if you go up a side bit and fight a couple of shades and come down, um, Solus talks to you. If you play, like I say, if you play an elf, he talks to you about his encounter with the Dalish and how they attacked him and drove him off. Later on at Skyhold, if you prod him and, and agitate him, then he eventually um, explodes and says, well, how would you feel? Or or like, if you were called crazy and if you were constantly called a liar, and if you were told that, that um, everything you are doesn't make any sense, like, but he can't tell us why he knows things. So he's stuck in this corner of, I know the answer, but I can't tell you why I know the answer. It's it's this weird kind of situation with Solus. Um, he wanted to help. He wanted to help them, but they don't want to be helped. They're happy where they are. He can't understand why. Mm-hmm. He's like, you guys could be so much better. You guys could be so much more. You're being treated as less than slaves. You're being treated as dirt and you're hunted and I could make you guys great again. We could be great again. And they're just like, jog on mate. Like mm-hmm. you're you're clearly mental. You're clearly
1: insane. But it's like just very. We've been we've been talking about uh, we've been uh, we've got oral traditions that date back a thousand years. What are you talking about? Who 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 the hell is this guy?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, especially um coming from like Scotland side of things, and I know that the um people talk about Scottish culture and Scottish culture is carried over to other countries and stuff, and it turns into oral tradition versus um tr- tradition from the source. So I kind of sympathize. However, what he isn't prepared to understand is that that oral culture has become its own thing. It's like a sister culture now to his culture. And they're still equally as valid and they're still, it's it's developed into its own thing. The only thing that I will say is that if you romance him and um, it gets to the scene where he offers to take off your slave markings, to take off your valisleen. If you reject them and say, they're important to me, I hope you understand. He says, of course I understand. You're beautiful just the way you are. So through the Inquisition, through the Inquisitor, he does learn. He does develop. Like at the beginning of the game, he doesn't even see anybody as people. He just sees them as the tranquil, as empty husks that aren't connected to the Fade anymore because of his own stupidity, putting up the veil and separating everybody from that. He doesn't even see them as people. By the end of Inquisition, he sees them as his, as his people. He sees them as people he loves. He sees them as people that he is genuinely sad about needing to slaughter so he can restore his own world. Damn it, Solace. Yeah. But, but there there is that development. And I'm wondering if in the next game or the next time that we encounter him, we can we can push that a little bit further and see if we can get him. To remember his friends and to remember um, his lover and to come around and be like, Solace, don't be- come, just come home. Just shut up. Just come home. <laughs> just stop.
1: <laughs> Your elf girlfriend really wants you to come home.
0: <laughs> she just appears in the background. No arm. Like, right. You. Him. new just get your arse home i've got tea on your tea's getting cold solace it's hilarious because he hates he
1: he detests the stuff um Mm.
0: i literally have a mouthful of tea right now
1: (laughs) solace the kettle is on come on come home buddy we want to see you again
0: oh there's a cultural thing there's a cultural thing tea uh where i'm from in scotland means your dinner
1: Ah, okay. And Dude, coffee. Dinner's,
0: on. dinner's getting cold.
1: And 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 coffee is breakfast for us in the uh, in the U.S. So there's your there's the cultural there thing. Right?
0: There you go. There you go.
1: So um, something else about uh um uh about Solus that I was just thinking about the fact that I'm almost a hundred percent convinced that in Dragon Age Dreadwolf. He's not the main antagonist of that. I think the Evanuris are probably going to be... I always thought that, too, yeah. Because, um, especially based on the conversation that you have uh, with him at the end of Trespasser, how... I mean, even if you've been a little bit more antagonistic towards him and you try to strike him, um, Mm. he's still really thoughtful about why and how the Inquisition has changed him, as you said, so I have this mm-hmm. feeling and I, you know, and Bioware is being really, they're being really bad about like only showing us, oh, Solus is going to be a part of Dreadwolf. Um, I feel like they're building him up to that point where it's like, it's, they're going to do the rug pull where he's going to be there, but he's not going to be the main antagonist. He's, this is my tinfoil hat on head theory is that he's going to be a faction that you can, um, that you can align yourself with. Um mm. Sort of like, uh, like either a Templar or mage uh, thing. It's going to be like the um uh uh the elves or Vince. I don't know if it's going to be the Taventers. Uh, mm. but my my first thought was like, if you if you go and you uh you know um ally yourself with the Taventer rebels if it's Tevinter rebels um then you you immediately get like mevaris is on your team you meet dorian you get you know a couple of other like Tevinter party members and then eventually it crosses with um the uh uh with the elven um uh the elven uprising versus if you uh uh choose to you know maybe throw your lot in or at least contact the the elven um uh, uh the elven uprising that's when you meet solas and maybe there's another companion that you'll meet um along that side and uh, mm. i don't know that's that's my tinfoil hat on theory kind of how i see the game is kind of being structured that he's just going to be a faction not mm. necessarily an antagonist it is going to be interesting to see especially with um with him now having
0: whatever power he took from with Flemeth Flemthol at the end of <laughs> inquisition um it will be interesting to see how he plays into it but i am also expecting a rug pull Where he's made out to be the main antagonist, and then, because I know how Patrick Weeks writes, (laughs) and that bastard is going to be hyped up to be the absolute dick arsehole that we all think he is, and then right at the end he's going to either see this is what I'm worried about because in the in in the rule book of story writing and storytelling, any character that either goes from an antagonist to a protagonist or was a was was like a, a betrayal that it turned bad and then go, comes good again. He always has a redemption arc and then he dies and I'm worried that Solace, when the rug pull is going to be either um, he's going to save someone and die or hopefully but it's Bioware so hopefully there's going to be like a fork where you do this decision and Solus dies this decision and and you can save him or something but those are just theories that I have I don't know if that's where they're going to go.
1: But I am also expecting a rug pull on So Imagine if that fork in the road is something like allow Solus to continue with his plan to tear down the veil and then he does. And then the second Mm -hmm. half of the game is dealing with the aftermath of the uh, of the veil being torn down and the world being thrown into chaos.
0: Mm -hmm. There's something that I want to say, but I don't want to um, spoil episode six what i'll say was do you remember when we got those promo like stills of inquisition back mm-hmm. and 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 one of them was like a big tree with uh with like urns underneath it and another one was kind of like a structure with this weird kind of like glowing red around it
1: yes i know so, exactly what um, you're oh my gosh yeah yeah right i'll just leave that with you Oh, my God. <laughs> we're going to get that. to that with you. We're going to get to that in the future episode. <laughs> we're going to talk about um, uh, the remainder of Dragon Age Absolution, because, again, it does ask. There's there's many, many questions that start getting popped many up. We've questions. only really covered like the first episode. And it's only like the way in which it's related to Inquisition. But there's going to be there's so much more to talk about with this series. So um, yep. I think that we're definitely going to be uh, having a much longer conversation in the future about that. I I'm so excited. I Wait. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> next
0: episode, next episode, I want to know everybody's favorite character. If you've watched Absolution, I want to know everybody's favorite character and why. And next week, I'm going to ask you um, who your favorite character was and why. That's my question for everybody. Excellent.
1: So if you're listening, make sure you give us a uh, a star review if you'd like to uh, uh all of those uh those things and then also remember to uh you can follow uh, uh both uh, uh unifade walker and myself online we are at those handles at uh, uh on pretty much everything else there's going to be an an outro to this as well that's going to cover everything so you can just listen to that thank you so much for joining us for our, our very first episode of the fade cafe and remember we got coffee on for the next episode so uh i can't wait Come back for more. <laughs> the Fade Cafe is a production of Cafe 3G and Unifade Walker. You can follow Unifade Walker at that handle on Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, and TikTok. Music and production by Cafe 3G. That's me. You can follow me at Cafe 3G on Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, and TikTok. And if you enjoyed this episode, leave us a five-star review and don't forget to subscribe. venen. It is done.